life. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Ah, it's time to do this. Seven minutes after six o'clock on Saturday, January 30th, the last Saturday of the month, almost to February. We've made it through the first month of 2021. Welcome to Green and Growing. Really glad you're here this morning. I bet eight out of 10 of you are in bed under the covers because it's cold. It's so cold. And if you're the uh, two out of 10 that are out driving around, well, please be careful. Watch out for any patchy ice spots that may uh, may be left over from the rains the other day. And just take your time. Drive safely. No need to be in a massive rush. So a lot to talk about on the show today. You know, I I kind of was intimidated by the idea of hosting a garden show in the winter time, and especially when the show began a year ago. In two days, it will be uh, one year that uh, Green and Growing came on the air, and I thought, winter time, my gosh, what am I going to talk about? Nobody's outside, nobody's planting, there's not much to do, but I've been surprised. Last weekend, uh, this weekend, and the next two, actually, I do show prep ahead of time, yes, like three weeks in advance. There is a lot to talk about. Seed starting and houseplants, roses, uh, transplanting trees and shrubs and planting, establishing for the first time new trees and shrubs just because this time of year we all kind of take a break. You know, and it's after the holidays for us too. So you got to think we're winding down from the holidays. Everybody kind of slows their pace a little bit. But trees and shrubs are much the same, right? There's not a lot of energy that's going up into the plant that doesn't have to put on leaves. It's not really having to put on any flowers or anything in the uh, wintertime. So that gives plants more time to establish roots. And that's number one for a healthy plant is a good root system. So that's why you do it now. And yes, the soil's cold, but it can certainly adapt as long as we're not up north cutting through the ice just to even get to our dirt um, the, the roots certainly adapt and they kind of get used to their surroundings. They're not stressed. They're not really finding that need for water because they're not expending a lot of energy and the, there's no heat to stress them out. So it is a great time of year. A lot of you asked after we talked so much about roses last week and the week before, when can I transplant them or when can I plant them? So now is a great time. Um, and Pike Nursery has certainly kind of given us some tips too on pruning your existing roses, but when you buy a new rose plant, you should not have to prune it or anything. It's ready to go from the nursery. And some even come in like a pulp pot. So you just plant the pot too. And that probably has some nutrients and things in it that are safe to just pop in the ground and have those things ready to go. And it's going to be really fun to watch everything leaf out and really start to establish here in the next couple of months. So today we'll talk about some invasives. Um, That is something many of you don't want to talk about, but we got to kudzu, bamboo, ivy, things like that. Um, Now is kind of a time where we can start to maybe make a little bit of progress with things like that that you certainly don't want. They may be a little more manageable this time of year and some things you could do to slow the spring growth of those. And then we'll be talking about succulents too. That's a great little fun house plant. You'll be able to kind of have it with you out on the, the the porch, the balcony, or the back deck in the summertime, move in and out. So your garden calls as well. 404-872-0750 is the number. Would love to hear your garden questions, but also garden stories, anything that you want to share that you're bragging about or you've been successful with. And a lot of you are getting ready to start seed indoors too for your summer garden crops. So I can't wait to hear maybe where you have found seed 
or how you're doing that, or if you bought some new gadget for that whole process, that'd be great for you to share with everyone else. So it's been a couple of weeks, but I am so glad that Nicole and Griffin is calling to check in this morning. Hey, welcome to the show. Ashley. How have you been? Fine, fine. A year, almost a year already, a year. Oh, you made it. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe it? Ooh, I didn't think I would. February 1st. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. So it's been so much fun, though. And, like, the other day I was finally organizing uh, all of my contacts, you know, like people that I've reached out to be on the show and experts. And, you know, some of them reached out to me to introduce themselves and say, hey, I'm happy to help on your show and help your listeners. And so, like, what a list I've... I've built of really, really great people, and most of them were friends with Walter to begin with. So I'm really thankful for those relationships and people that just want to, you know, be on the radio, not for self promotion or anything like that, but just to help each other out. I think it's awesome. Yes, I learned so much because I came from the north to the south, and I learned so much from him. If I didn't have him, I don't know why. Then, you know, I went to university and Master Gardner. And uh, Mr. Reeve helped me so much. Yeah, this time of the year, do not plant your stuff in May or April. Because <laughs> it stresses it out, right? Big time. Yeah. Our clay is not good. And then you have all this eat after that, January, February. Do your hard work when it's cool. Even us, when it's cool outside, we need to dig it up and uh and trim stuff, you know. Oh, God. Well, there were people. a couple of days this week that, you know, temperatures got into the mid-50s. And for me, that was actually comfortable because I went out to work in layers. And, I mean, not even 10 minutes after really starting to work outside, started to kind of peel the layers away because in the sun it felt great. So that that is a good a good idea, Nicole. Like, And you're cooped up in the wintertime. You're tired of being inside. You have one nice sunny day. Get out there. There's something to be doing. Oh, there's always something for sure. <laughs> I went to uh, Nashville, Tennessee this week. I went to on top of Mount Eagle. Mm-hmm. And uh, for so many years, I never saw some eagle. And I said, good grief, why they call it Mount Eagle? But in 38 years, I saw one morning with all those eagles. Then I saw a coyote got killed on the road. Oh. You should see all those coyote around him to pull him out of the uh, uh, of the road, and That's, I don't know, pray hmm. for him. But the coyote coat is real. Us is turned brown, but over there is dark black. And I saw sometime um, those uh, uh, wild turkey. Okay. If uh, they uh, kill, you know, a deer or something, one of them, they're not strong enough. Then it's about like 10 or 15 of them pull them out of the of the road. And I watch them all the time and pull it out of the road and try to eat them. Why can we not help each other? Well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty bummed because here at the station off Peachtree Street in Midtown Atlanta, we're kind of arguing, all of our employees are arguing whether or not it's a fox or a coyote in the courtyard. Um, it's a fox. It's a fox, Jason says, and someone else says coyote. And it's it's tough to tell with the, the coat, their, their coat. But up by me in Cherokee County, there's so much construction. I have seen more coyotes. And, I mean, naturally, I don't think they're out during the day a lot, but they have nowhere else to go. Their habitat's being disturbed. So I think that's maybe going to be a trend, Nicole, that we see a lot more 
on the side of the road and just kind of out in very unusual places like the fox here at the studio. Yeah, because we're taking all the environment. And, you know, I know they have to feed themselves, too. They have to feed the kids, you know. So uh, maybe a rabbit, maybe a cat and, some, you know, something. But anyway, I want to talk about chicken. <laughs> Did you meet some chickens that you liked? Uh, actually, Mr. Reeve loves chicken. He used to have his babies. Yeah, he would get his baby chicks. Oh, yes, mm -hmm. because... Um, there's a guy down the street. He built all his enclosement. It's all wire on top. The ca the coyote, I know they smell it, but the coyote cannot come inside. The chicken are well taken care because they have a place they can sleep all together at night because it's cool and everything. But I don't think he feed them enough. So I want to know what can we feed our chicken and not chicken. Not chicken nuggets, not chicken wings. Oh, no. <laughs> no. We need some seeds. So I went to the farmer market, and I dig up in the dumpster, mm. tried to pull in. They had coconut. Uh, they take the liquid inside, but the shelf, you know. So uh, I brought back a tomato um, uh, cage. And, uh, oh, boy, they want for the tomato. I don't know if it's the smell, the seed inside or anything. But anyway, I just need to uh, take care of them. They have too many. Oh, boy, you should see all the color and everything, you know. And then they mix some duck around it. And I said, oh. duck and chicken, do they feed? Do they eat the same thing? And what did, did, did the guy tell you? I don't know. Well... I just feel that uh, they don't have enough to eat. So I went inside. I brought all this food, you know. But I need to know if people just uh, feed chicken, what kind of food? I know they feed some seed, but I know they eat warm, too, you know. But we need to know what kind of food they like better. So I've I've found this website, organicfeeds.com, with some really good advice about feeding chickens. And... You know, I mean, they're kind of like us. They don't need to eat things like chocolate, caffeine, alcohol. Of course, that would just be crazy. Nothing processed. Um, too much salt is even a little unstable for their heart. That can cause heart failure, which if you think in large amounts for human, it's kind of the same. Uh, mold can be deadly, so be careful when you're grabbing stuff out of the dumpster if something's molded. But this was the one thing that surprised me. I mean, there's a lot of vegetables on this list. Absolutely. Tomatoes are packed with vitamins and antioxidants. Carrots, they love. Those are full of nutrients for them. Cilantro, lettuce doesn't provide a whole lot of nutritional value. But they said leafy vegetation poses a danger. Um, some leaves are toxic to the animals. And they even said like raw green potatoes can carry that same toxin. So you kind of mm. do have to scope out what you give them. But then, like you said, did you say with coconut, too? A lot of fruits, they're good with um, fruits, any kind of berries, apples, uh, peaches. That's, I mean, they're not picky when it comes to fresh vegetables. But at least they can pick on something. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good grief. Well, like you said, so they grabbed the tomato and ran, huh? They were pretty proud of that. Oh, big time. There was only three tomato, and boy, they just ran with it. But, you know, I just, I feel... When you have animals, you have to be responsible, okay? At least feed them the they – they have a good environment because they, they're all together. They're not cold or anything. 
but I don't think they eat enough. Yeah, and I mean, you're responsible for another life, just if you have cows and horses and Ugh. things like that. I mean, if you can't afford to maintain them properly and feed them what they need, then I think you probably, it's best that you get rid of them and give them to a home where they're actually going to be properly taken care of. And animals, larger animals like cows and horses too, I mean, they require so much nutrition, you know, for the strength of their body that they cannot go malnourished. No way. Mm-hmm. But at least we're going to have some eggs this and summer. What do you think? Popcorns can eat chicken. Or uh, po- uh, chickens can eat. Oh, I just gave it away. Chickens can eat popcorn. Yes or no? <laughs> I take anything but seed in it. The nose going to go through, the, uh, you know, towards the seed. So uh, yeah. popcorn and uh, mostly tomato. I couldn't believe they went for the tomato. They're inside the tomatoes, a lot of seed. And just maybe the smell, you know. Yeah. I don't know if they see color, but a nice red tomato, that looks appetizing to anybody, doesn't it? You think they see the red? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, we just live and learn. Good grief. Well, that is really cool that you even thought about that. But I'm glad for the reminder, too, Nicole, that, yeah, you've got these animals. We've got to take care of them for sure and keep them safe from the coyotes. My goodness, what a, what a way to go. Oh, they smell a long way, but this thing close, I mean, they on top, even the wire on top, the coyote, I know they, they go around because mm-hmm. they smell it, but at least they're safe, you know. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, good. I really hope, I know you've got a crazy schedule, but I hope we can certainly catch up about some other things next Saturday if you're around. All right, Ashley. And I've got someone that wants to be in touch with you, and it's a really sweet story, actually, so I'm going to share that with you and give you a call later this weekend. All right, Ashley. All right. Thanks so much, Nicole. Same here. Have a great weekend. Have a good day. Bye. She adds so much to the show, and so many of you really look forward to hearing from Nicole and Griffin. Always good to have her on. 404-872-0750. I'm Ashley Frasca. This is Green and Growing. We'll be right back on WSB. And what were Jason's famous last words right before playing this song? Get ready to have a song stuck in your head for the rest of the day. I said as long as it's not Baby Shark. But this, I can go with this. The chicken dance. Oh my God, it's so cute and so appropriate. So we actually have one or two more things that might be interesting for a chicken's diet coming up here in just a minute. I love Nicole for bringing up crazy topics, something I never thought I would talk about but chickens here we are we talked about it it was a great topic so we'll uh, cover that in just a minute but uh, first to give you a weather update for the weekend so you know how to plan ahead that is sponsored by Finley Roofing as I pull it up here you'll hear it at the the top and bottom of every hour for sure but today just to kind of give you a run through mostly cloudy increasing cloudiness as the day goes on high of only 51 low around 42 you wouldn't believe it right now with it being 31 but it will warm up And at morning showers, they diminished to light scattered showers during the afternoon. Tomorrow, high of 60, though. I guess every day that it's getting really warm, it's bringing in that rain. I guess kind of a disturbance. Uh, Low of 37, and it's going to be sunny for most of the week, so that's something to look ahead to. And now, time for this. Green and Growing. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. 
So coming up in a little while on the show, I want to talk about uh, zoysia lawns and fescue, not to just pick out two, but some things to be thinking about and preparing for with those lawns. Those are just the two I've gotten a few more questions about than Bermuda, centipede, anything else. So zoysia and fescue, some things to do. But all of that ties back into this. Number one, now is the time with any grass any garden, any lawn that you're looking at, get a soil test. This is a great time of year to get a soil test so you can arm yourself, buy the things that you need uh, coming up in the spring. They sell kits at Pike where you can do it yourself or call 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. That's the extension service through the University of Georgia. So what you want to do when you're digging out the soil that you're going to mail away and they're going to test it for you, remove any mulch or thatch before you dig. You know, anything that's just on the top of the surface that's going to get in the way, kind of push that aside. It's recommended to take 8 to 10 samples from each section of your yard. So if you want a soil test for your entire yard, think of kind of zoning it off, maybe three or four different zones. You know, if there's an area that has more pine trees, that soil is going to be a little different. If there's an area that's wide open, full sun, if there's an area that stays kind of damp and wet, or a garden bed, that's its own zone. Um, But eight to ten samples of each where you're looking to plant. And then dig down in your lawn, they need at least a four-inch sample, four inches down. Garden beds, you have to go a little bit deeper. You have to get about six inches. Um, And what you're going to end up doing is like blending each one together, you know, these eight to ten samples to represent each zone of the yard. And that's kind of going to give them a a broader picture, a big picture of of what they're looking at there. Uh, Number two, pay attention to your houseplants this time of year. There's a lot of light coming in the windows. Move highlight houseplants if necessary just to make sure they are getting all of that light. And it's a good time to rotate them too. You think about their leaning, maybe your amaryllis or any kind of, uh, I don't know, larger houseplant, croton, something may be leaning one way toward the window. So just rotate that pot 180 degrees. And number three, Had our friend Joe Lample on last weekend talking about starting seed. So go pick out your seeds for your desired summer crops and ask around. See what varieties others have success with. And I'm going to give you a little in. Today is National Seed Swap Day. So we're going to talk about that, what that entails, and what you can be doing for that. Um, So, Jason, we were talking to Nicole about chickens and what's good for their diets and what's not. And you said something that's totally non-edible, but it makes sense. Well, since chickens don't have teeth, mm-hmm. they eat gravel. That's gross. Why would they do that? It helps them uh, break down the food. That Since they can't chew it, they kind of eat in reverse, mm-hmm. whereas we chew to help our digestion. Yeah. And chickens, they do it opposite. They eat chunks of stuff, and then the stones and rocks and stuff in their stomachs break down the food. Kind of grind together like yeah. a little blender down there. Exactly. Wow. That would that would hurt going in and that would hurt going, coming out. Yeah, I think they just store them. I don't think they pass the stones. Oh my gosh. Chickens aren't the brightest creatures, but they're they're awfully cute sometimes. They can be, yeah. <laughs> well, good. I, I like them on my plate, to be quite honest. I, I'm a big fan of grilled chicken dishes. All right. Well, coming up on 630, Walter Reeves is going to join us. We're going to have that conversation about invasives and get ready to do a little bit of work if you're bothered by any of these things. Kudzu, ivy, bamboo. We're going to give you some hope. It's not going to overwhelm your lawn and your house. So we'll be right back on Green and Growing on WSB. It's green and green. 
Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Warming up a little bit, dare I say, 31 degrees when I was driving in about an hour ago was 28. So 31 degrees, I hope you are curled up in bed. I think that's where uh, my next uh, guest is going to be as soon as he finishes his time on the air. If you listen every morning at 630, you're aware of what happens next. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. Every Saturday morning in hour number one of Green and Growing, you get to hear a friendly, familiar voice that you all know. Walter Reeves joins me at 6.30. Good morning. Good morning, Ashley. So right on time. It's about 6.37. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. (laughs) You're welcome. Last weekend, we talked about transplanting shrubs and and trees, you know, some winter Mm -hmm. chores that are a little more cumbersome, but are actually really necessary to do in the colder months and a little easier on you. That way you're not sweating it out. And then come spring, everything's kind of in place where it needs to be. So that got me thinking about something else. Um, Now that it's a little cold outside, a lot of stuff has died back. You can really see where some invasive species are in your yard. Um, You can still see the ivy. My gosh, the bamboo never goes away. Uh, kudzu, same kind of thing, and privet, like that won't die. That's that's always green. Yeah. That's always there. Um, so I wanted to kind of pick your brain about some of these invasives and just, you know, the proper ways to go about eliminating them from your landscape, if that's the case, and when to be thinking of such. I will tell you that my father always thought that January and February were the best times of year to control privet on the farm because you weren't gardening, you weren't doing much of anything else outdoors. So why let's all bundle up and go outdoors and he would give me a, a little chain, it was about twenty feet long I guess, and he would be on his little tractor and he would back up to the patch of privet that we had, send me on my hands and knees crawling underneath the, the privet vines, attach the end of the chain to a privet, bu- privet bush and just yell, oh, like that. and he would lurch forward and pull that privet bush out. We would do that for two or three hours till he was cold and I was deathly ill, deathly frozen, and we finally go inside to warm up. We never control the privet on that farm ever. We're still 50 years later, still lots of privet on the farm. But we would do that every January, trying to control the privet as best we could. I don't know if I've ever heard you tell that story, but that right oh, there, man. that 25, 30 seconds, that explains a lot <laughs> Which over the years of why <laughs> you hate privet as much as you do. <laughs> So how do you think all of it got there? I mean, that's a lot. All it took one plant, privet, the way it becomes invasive, it has so many seeds, thousands of seeds on one plant. And birds love those seeds. Oh, boy, oh, boy, the berries in the fall, the birds love them and eat them, and they poof them out everywhere around. So one plant somewhere in Fayette County had a seed, and bird pooped it on the Reeves farm, and there I was on my hands and knees freezing. Ah. So January, February, great time to go after that. Now, privet, that kind of grows more like a shrub, right? Where we're actually yeah. going to need to get the the trunk, so to speak, out of the ground. Yeah, pull it all the way out of the ground. Mm. And a good moist day in the winter is a good time to do it because the soil being moist is also very soft. And so some of the small ones that are only a couple of feet tall, you can pull those easily by hand. And you know what worries me? I, I drove around Cherokee County a lot in the last week, just kind of unfamiliar places, parts I hadn't really been through before. And there's homes that are maybe 30, 40 years old, and they've got, you know, well-kept, maintained front yards. 
And in between some of these homes, and people will see this a lot around Metro Atlanta, there's bamboo. And if it's up against the sidewalk or close to the street, you're kind of thinking like, oh, wow, that's pretty. That looks pretty neat. But I cringe every time because I think how in 30 or 40 years, these two houses side by side with bamboo in the middle, how are they not overtaken at this point by that bamboo? And can you guarantee that's what's going to happen in a number of years? Bamboo never sleeps. Uh, 365-24-7, bamboo is thinking, how can I grow bigger? How can I get over to that property? How can I get over there where that dirt is? And the roots that go underground can go for 20 feet without setting up a sprout. But wintertime is a great time, because the leaves are not so much on the bamboo now, mm-hmm. it's a great time to just cut everything down. If you don't like the bamboo where it is, cut it down to the ground. Then when the new coals, the new sprouts come up in the spring, knock them down. They're easy to knock down. And that'll take you a long way towards controlling bamboo as long as you cut it down to the ground, the mature canes, and then knock over the coals in the spring. That'll do a good job on bamboo with no sprays needed. Wow. Okay, that was my next question. Do you need to apply Roundup to the cut? But no, you don't need to. Not In, in the in summertime, case. if I was doing it in the summertime, I would, but not in the wintertime. And what about... <laughs> I, I hesitate to even ask you this. Someone that wants to plant bamboo because they just really don't like their neighbor that much, so they want it to go nuts. Wow. Like you, I remember you saying over the years something about you know a trench and putting plastic in it and stuff. But do we even go there and give them permission to do such a thing, or just no? I think no is okay. the best answer. Friends don't let friends plant bamboo. <laughs> no, friends don't let enemy neighbors do it either. All right. And something else, too, that you think about, which this is my personal mission on my side yard is to control English ivy. And I got out there, man, last year, early last summer and just pulled it for days, literally away from my rhododendrons, away from the oak trees, away from the dogwood trees. And I made a dent in it. Sure. But it's just always going to be there. It's always something I have to keep up with. So English ivy, kudzu. I feel like now would have probably been a better time to work at that because I sweat my face off. So yeah. this time of year, I can still see where it's at. What do you think about getting out there and starting to at least get ahead of it? English ivy is such a puzzler. There are places, I've seen landscapes that have real slopes to them, shady slopes. There's nothing in the world that will grow there except English ivy. It is a great ground cover for dark, wooded areas that are a slope. But when it gets on flat land and tries to grow up your trees, then it becomes an enemy because it can get up in the tree and make it more susceptible to wind and ice and things like that. So as long as you control it, English ivy is a good plant to use in some cases, but in a lot of cases it gets out of control, climbs the trees, goes over your shrubbery, and that's when Ashley has to go out and pull it up. Now, when is it uh, most actively growing, though? Obviously not now. Yeah, when it's warm, when it's the summertime. You know, I like to mow it. It's a big area. If, if I can be assured there's no rocks and metal and stuff like that hidden underneath, I mow mine first. And then you can mow it in the wintertime pretty easily. And then in the spring, when the first new growth comes out of that chopped off mowed part, spray that with uh, one of the herbicides like triclopyr or brush be gone or Roundup plus uh, poison ivy killer. They work great as long as you spread on the new growth of the English ivy. Yeah, that bare brush be gone. Um, I've definitely yeah. used used that on poison ivy and on um, English ivy too. But there's nothing more rewarding than getting out there and you see almost a mat of all the vines going in every direction yeah. on the on the ground on the the floor. And man, you just pick up one and all these other vines come up and you follow it a few feet over there and right. get, oh god, that that feels good though. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it does this great pulley in the side because the, the vines can be 10 or 15 feet long. And pulling one, you pull it all up 15 feet away. And that, yeah, you get a lot of vine up at one time. So good control methods for um, privet, for bamboo, for some ivies like that. Anything else that we really think of as invasive that is just unwanted? Uh, the poster child for invasive would be kudzu. Yeah. You know, kudzu. Lord, I'm not going to talk about how it started in Georgia because my grandfather was part of the group that was promoting it in Georgia at one no, time. My really? grandfather promoted kudzu growing in Georgia. He oh, sure did. Wow. So I can't say too much bad about my grandpa, but he didn't realize how fast and far kudzu would go. And in the wintertime, when the leaves are off of the kudzu, that is the time you can get in to see where the main vines are and can cut them mm-hmm. so they don't sprout back in the spring. And when you know that you have those main vines cut in the spring and a new new growth again, just like with anxiety, then you can spray that with Roundup or Brush Gone or something like that, and that will keep the kudzu a little bit better under control. Yeah, things we don't want. Well, there is, believe it or not, an organization, as I was doing some research, the Georgia Exotic Pest Plant Council. That's that's a mouthful, yeah. G-A-E-P-P-C. Um, and you have linked to that on your website because they've got some good stuff. Yeah, just go to WalterReese.com, type invasive. It's one of the first two or three results you'll get. And they've got a list of all the invasive plants in Georgia and uh, pamphlets and things you can download and descriptions of them. So it gives you an idea of what you what we have as invasives and what we can do to prevent invasives from coming in in the future. Yeah, we want to plant natives instead. So I'm sure just yeah. likewise, as you can find the invasive plant list there on Walter's site on WalterReeves.com, you can find a list of native plants and plant those. Yeah, could do that too. Yeah. All right. Well, Walter, next weekend is Super Bowl weekend, and I've got a super, a big topic. If you are going to go out with the guys and go to a Super Bowl party and abandon your significant other all weekend, this is <laughs> this is going to help you make up for it because next Saturday, Super Bowl weekend, we're to talk about rose bed preparation and rose yeah, plants. Yeah. And what better way to say, I'm sorry I was gone for the Super Bowl all day than, <laughs> than getting her a rose plant and planting it. And planting a nice bed. Yeah, let's talk about that. I'll tell you how to have the best roses in the neighborhood. All right, we'll do it. I look forward to it, Walter. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for stopping in. See you next Saturday. So there are plenty of publications through the Extension Agency, uh, the Extension Office, the University of Georgia, about native plants. Um, And that's so important for a number of reasons. Native plants, whether it's trees, shrubs, anything like that, provide an environment for birds and other wildlife that are adapted to living here in our area. And it can attract that wildlife to your habitat. So you enjoy seeing the butterflies, the insects, mammals, even reptiles, you know, that that are sustained by native plants. And also when you think about if we have a weird swing in the weather and we've had just, you know, an unusually cold winter and that kills off a lot of things that aren't adapted to this climate, Natives are able to maybe be a little more cold hardy. They've adapted over generations, right, to to expect what we get in our climate. And also just ecological preservation is another reason for using native plants. There's destruction of a lot of natural environments. I talked about that with the coyotes and the foxes and things coming out like that. So native plants really just, if they're being taken out of their native habitat, we need to kind of populate those in our own yard. And someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, like, when you think about harvesting native plants from the wild, you know, if you go back into someone's woods or something and see something native and you want to do that in your landscape, I think that's, like, not acceptable. So it's really frowned upon to be moving things like that or just even um, 
upsetting them in their environment. So just go to a nursery, buy something. But there's a great list from the University of Georgia about how to select the right site for any native plant that you want to establish and just a list of some of the trees and shrubs and things that are native. I mean, you think like loblolly pine, different um, varieties of maples for sure, bald cypress. I mean, there's a ton of things, many, many different pines that you just look up, you think one pine tree, it's the same, but it's not. Oaks, of course, are native here to the southeast. So that's a that's a good list. And I've been given some resources and some really good names of experts who specialize in knowing native plants in the area. So I would love to have that conversation with somebody to kind of give us an idea and really think outside the box of some good ideas for natives. All right, coming up at 7 o'clock, I told you we would talk a little bit about zoysia and fescue grasses, two of the most common, and what you can be doing now. And also, it's National Seed Swap Day. So Wishing you a happy National Seed Swap Day. I'll tell you what you can do coming up as well. We're going to take a break and check uh, weather and traffic, and we'll be back to green and growing on WSB. Almost through hour number one of Green and Growing. Thanks for tuning in. It's uh, Saturday morning, January 30th, almost through the first month of the new year. And you want to plan your weekend. You want to know what the weather is going to be like. Well, Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz has been telling us it's going to be mostly cloudy today. Highs only reaching the low 50s, low around 42. That's a relief from what the low was coming in this morning, uh, up to an 80% chance of showers for tomorrow. Morning rain, though, diminishing to scattered light showers during the afternoon. High of around 60 and low around 37. And then sun is going to welcome us back into the new week. Your weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, number one, pay attention to your house plants. Are you watering them enough? Are you watering them a little too much? The best way to be able to tell when you walk by them at least every four or five days, it doesn't need to be more often than that, that you stick your finger in the dirt. Just see if the top inch or two of dirt is dried out. If so, it's probably time to water them. Um, and move around the highlight house plants if necessary. If the leaves are discoloring a little bit or drooping, maybe they're not getting enough light. And the plants that are getting a lot of light, you'll be able to tell because they're leaning toward the window to get what light they can. Maybe they're starting to be a little sideways. So just rotate a lot of those pots around about 180 degrees and it'll straighten the plant up a little bit. Uh, Number two, get a soil test. They sell the kits at Pike Nursery or you can call 1-800-ASK-UGA-1 and the extension office will be glad to kind of walk you through that. Um, But if you're ready to go ahead and grab some of that soil, remove mulch or thatch before you dig. So you want kind of bare soil. Go in about four inches into your lawn, at least six inches deep into a garden bed. And you want to take just eight to ten samples, not just one. That one little plug's not going to do it. Eight to ten samples from each section of the yard where you're looking to plant. So if there's an area in the front, kind of go wide with that. If there's a garden bed, go around there, eight to ten samples. And then the... A uh, little garden kit or the soil test kit will tell you how to properly, you know, itemize all of those and categorize all of those before you send them in. 
And number three, uh, Joe Lample of Growing a Greener World. We had him on last weekend. You can go to WSBRadio.com, click on On Demand to hear my talk with him. Really get you excited about starting seed. So go out and pick seeds for your desired summer crops. You're able to do that. You're able to do marigolds if you want, which are really a good companion plant to have along in a garden. But, you know, you got squash, cucumber, all those things, tomatoes, peppers. Um, Ask around. See what varieties others have success with. Anyone who's been gardening for any number of years can tell you their favorite variety of tomato and things like that. And it is National Seed Swap Day. And there's a lot of reasons why, you know, spring makes us happy. Gardeners look forward to spring. And swapping seed, I mean, it really saves you money just for the the reason of basic thrift of it. You know, that's a way you can start your own plant essentially for free. You do need the trays and the soil and all of that, but a little goes a long way. Used for bartering back in the day and also just to cultivate like rare heirloom varieties through seed. Keep in mind, if you have a seed from a plant, you kind of need to do the research though. It's not always going to be identical to the parent plant. So you can do a little bit more research on that. But uh, just exchange seeds with friends and family. Some places, there's a lot of places in Florida, but I haven't seen as many in Georgia that are actually doing like local seed swap days where there's, you know, with the coronavirus, everybody's safe. There's just a table and everything's labeled and you leave some and you take some. Um, experienced gardeners offer things from their seed collections as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be a crop. It could be seeds from a hellebore or seeds from something else, cosmos, that people are looking to share. There's always online classes that are going to offer you tips on being successful in starting seed and what you need to do and include kids. I mean, what kid doesn't love to have a little bit of soil, a little trowel, a little shovel and starting seed and actually watching it grow? Jason and I are grown people here on the show but Jason just started seed and three out of five are starting to germinate. And that was exciting. You may get all five, you may not, but you really love to see that sprout and kind of take care of it and baby it along. So think of just that, reaching out to established gardeners, seeing what seeds they may have, what you can learn about and what the right time of year is. And also a lot of you have questions if you're given seeds at the wrong time of year. How do I store them? What do I do? Because there's mixed things on the internet, just as with any other topic about how to properly save seeds and store them. And Walter Reeves has a great article on WalterReeves.com about just keeping them cool and dry because you think about it, they look dry, they look kind of lifeless, like a sunflower seed or something like that, but they are slowly breathing. There's an exchange of oxygen and nitrogen and all of that. But um, if they're exposed to warmth, that kind of gives them the message to start doing something. So it is important to keep them cool and keep them dry. I've even plucked um, the petals off of my zinnias every year in the spring. And you're able to just kind of keep those in an envelope or something and keep them dry. But there are others that you can use like powdered milk or something like that just to take the moisture out of the seed keeping a jar in a refrigerator to keep the environment right. So a lot of really good tips out there for seed swapping. So you can use the hashtag seed swap day and check out more online. If you're interested in getting involved coming up on 7 a.m. We'll be back with our number two talking about lawns, native plants and your calls 404-872-0750. It's green and growing on WSB.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.